You're listening to a Chicago Sports Nation production, enhancing your Chicago sports fan experience. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning back into Shy Sox Weekly, presented to you by White Sox Nation and Wagon Enterprises. Today is episode 12. I am John Suarez, along with my co-host, Tony Marchese. Tony, how are you doing today, man? John, it's been a hell of a week. It has been quite the eventful week, not only for the White Sox, but for ourselves and what we like to call Sox Twitter. So we got a lot of stuff that we want to get into today about the weekend of White Sox baseball. Me and Tony both made it up to the G-spot. So we had a good time. Uh, we got plenty of stories to share with you guys. And while I was there, I booked our current guest for today. So, Tony, you want to tell everybody who we got on tonight? Tonight we're going to have Herb Lawrence from 670 The Score. He's the producer of The Lawrence Home Show. Yeah, so uh, if you guys don't know what The Lawrence Home Show is, it's from 6 to 10 p.m. on 670 The Score. They talk Chicago sports, um, mostly Cubs baseball, I'm pretty sure, to be honest, don't they? Yeah, they do talk some White Sox, too. I mean, that used to be the White Sox flagship. It, uh, it's now the home of the Chicago Cubs, so I don't really tune into them as much as I used to. But uh, I'm pretty sure Herb's a big Sox guy. Herb is, in fact, a huge Sox guy. So we were up at, or well, I was up at, Tony could not make it, but I was up at the Sox on 35th and Sox Mafia collab tailgate this weekend. And it was a hell of a time, man, let me tell you. So let me start off with like, a lot of radio guys. You don't really know exactly like what they look like off top. So we were all standing there. It was me, Cherizi from 108, I want to say White Sox Dave, and then like a couple other people. And we're talking back and forth, and I asked this guy what his name is, and he says Herb. And like it, it clicked right away, but I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of everybody and be like, are you Herb Lawrence? So like, I know who Herb Not is. Not that you've never embarrassed yourself before, John. Never embarrassed myself in public before. <laughs> but, I mean, I know who he is. I followed him on Twitter, and like that's basically what we talked about. I was like, dude, I'm like honestly a huge fan of yours. Like, And he was really excited to come on the pod. So we booked it, and we're making it happen for you tonight. Exactly. So here we'll be on a little bit later. Let's run through a few other things that happened this week. Mainly, number one, we ran what turned out to be quite an interesting Twitter poll. Yeah, so let's start off with that. Last night, Tony took over the Shy Sox Weekly Twitter, and he replied to Section 108's tweet. I don't know the exact tweet, so I'm going to let you take over from here. So the original tweet was that SportTrack, which is a website that tracks MLB salaries, reported that the White Sox have the lowest payroll in all of Major League Baseball, which is actually kind of surprising. So I took that one little step further. That was the tweet that the 108 sent out. I took that one step further, and I wanted to ask the fans, what do they think? Who spends more money, the White Sox on payroll or the guys in the 108 on beer? And this poll took off a little bit and the results were kind of frightening i think it was 94 percent. it was 94 percent of respondents came back with the 108 spends more money on beer and you know what let's actually get someone from the 108 on the podcast right now to verify 
if in fact the 108 spends more money on beer than the White Sox do in payroll. All right, let's do it. Who are we having on, Tony? I think we have my socks summer. We do. Hey, we have me. we have my oh. socks summer. How's it going? Hey, it's me, my socks summer. What's happening from the 108 representing? What a okay. fantastic poll you guys ran today. Yeah, how about that? How do you feel about that poll? The uh, I thought it was a little too close. Six percent seemed like way too much for somebody to uh, for those people to be voting that we don't spend more money than the socks. I am actually thinking this is pretty much spot on. There is probably about 6% of people who do actually believe that the White Sox do spend money on their payroll. But, I mean, look at what, look at what we're fielding out there on the field. I mean, Trace Thompson's oh, and Adam Ingles and everything. And you, and you guys are killing it there on an almost daily basis. Yeah, over there and the I, last week was a, was a stupendous week. We hit a uh, we hit a Thursday days game, and I didn't get home until I think about eight o'clock. So it was a uh, it was a long day for me and Beef Loaf, and, and see, we drank a lot of beer that day. And see, this poll doesn't mean that you just spend the money on the beer in the park. This is spending money on beer you three throughout an entire year oh, at man. any given for point. The year, oh my. Well, Cherizi goes out a lot too, so he's got that going for him. Him and his wife—they like to frequent the the, uh, the speakeasies, you know, drink a drink a drink here every once in a while. Uh, and uh, Beef Loaf and Mrs. Beef Loaf drink a lot of wine, so the amount of wine that goes through that house—I I mean, between those two, they're probably topping off. I'm probably adding in not even close to a third. Uh, <laughs> I got a. I, although I look like the biggest one and the biggest drinker, I am am, am so, sorely am not. I mean, if you got one of those two guys on the phone tonight, which they couldn't be because they're too drunk, that's probably why. Makes <laughs> sense. It, it, that makes sense. I mean, the last time we had you guys on, I want to say you guys probably went through, what, at least six, seven beers apiece? Yeah, I went through six. I mean, we, 18, yeah, it was at least 18 beers. Because we had a big stack of them, I had my I had my six or seven, that's for sure. Because that was uh, we still had our Bader Brow then. Now we are uh, have been reduced to buying whatever beer we can find on the cheap to oh replace boy. with that. Yeah, yeah. so you guys no, you guys had almost that's a that's a death in the 108 family right there. Yes. If moment not, of silence. Moment of silence. Moment of silence for Bader Brow. Okay. All right, bring All right. it right back in. There we go. We uh, <laughs> we've been we've been waiting to uh, express our condolences to you guys on that. Not exactly something that we expected to hear, but no. uh, I hear you guys. I, I watched the soak last last weekend. It sounds like you guys are in the in the market for a new beer sponsor. We are definitely in the market for a new beer sponsor. Um, yeah, what, what happened with Bader Brow was really sad. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a dog eat world, a dog eat dog world out there. If the dog's uh, eating the world, I don't want to live in yeah. it. Dogs are eating the world, man. I, I'm like one beer in right now and it's just, <laughs> it's being totally freaking, you know, just tired is what has got me right now. I actually just drank a noon whistle. Um, it was a fuzzy smack Berliner Weiss with peach. Um, the wife brought this because she thought she would like it. It actually... Is not horrible, but she does not like it because it's a sour, basically. A Berliner Weiss is a sour, 
and she got a little. She was not big, not big on this one. So yep. this, the, it's brewed by Noon Whistle Brewing Company in Lombard, Illinois. So I'll give them a free shout. Um, and now I am drinking. I'm washing that down with a High Life. Um, but yeah, no, we we really liked everybody at Bader Brow. They were really cool to us. But man, it's just it's a hard business, and there's so many different breweries that are out there, and new ones being created like every freaking day. So they just, I, I don't know. I, I, I wish they could have stuck around because I think that they were uh, about on the cusp to like get some people, you know, interested in what they were doing. Um, they marketed as a craft beer, which they were kind of, but they also would appeal more towards a regular Pilsner drinker, a guy that likes a Miller Lite, a guy that likes an MGD, that kind of stuff. Like, you, I just you, really like the like creative names. I actually personally never had the chance to drink a beer from Baderbrow, but when you guys came on the podcast, I believe Beef Love said he was drinking it. He said it, he called it like hip hop beatbox, and I was like, I yes. want one of those. I want oh. one of those right now. <laughs> I want ton of those actually, right now. We actually might have one of those left. I will yes, uh, save it for me. Beef Love that we will save the hip hop beatbox just for you. Um, but yeah, no, we we drink a lot of beer. We go through a lot of beer, and I it was. I, if you you guys watch the soak and you you probably noticed that we weren't as all talkative as normal. Thank you for the you shout were, out, by the way. Welcome. Thank you for showing up. Um, <laughs> that's no dig against you, Tony. Uh, <laughs> no, that was hundred percent a dig against Tony. You don't got to dig against. <laughs> no, we uh we did it, it just we were not drunk. We were not drinking like we were normally drinking, and that was mixed in with the uh, hangover um, from Saturday. Mixed with 172 degree weather on Sunday, which was just brutal and is not fun. It was not a fun time. I was not even talking uh, while we were sitting there watching the game. It was just, oh, it was horrible. It's it was not, it's not fun to watch the product on the field either these days, this past no, week. Especially when, especially when they're getting smoked, you know? So, yeah, it was, we, we cut that, cut that uh, Sunday soak pretty short. Mostly because New York, none of us were intoxicated, and none of us were going to sit there and keep pounding beers like a crazy person to get intoxicated. So next this coming Sunday, I'm sure we'll all be back because I I took a day off of drinking. Well, I, I did until you, I figured out I was going to call you guys. I was like, well, I better have two drinks at least loosen the lips a little bit. It's over. What's up, so Oregon State I'm one? On. Yeah, well, they're up ten to six. They were down six to three in the eighth inning. Madrigal let off the ninth with the sexy little double, and they're just pissing on North Carolina now. It's honestly sad to see. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. Well, we didn't. We That's... didn't get the chance. We didn't get the chance. Well, we've got my sock summer on. How did you feel about the magical pick, dude? Like I am the least reliable source in the one hundred and eight. To tell you about any type of a prospect. That's exactly why I'm asking you that question. I, I, dude, I don't know who the fuck that is. I heard it, and then I was reading tweets and everyone. Well, if you turn on ESPN right now, you can watch them for like the next five minutes. I mean, listen, I went to one college World Series playoff game in Cal State Fullerton. I went to the Cal State Fullerton game. I was uh, I was in uh, I was on first line I was first baseline, and there was a foul ball, and it smoked this uh, trash can that had dents in it because they you know they still use the uh, they were still using aluminum bats which maybe they still do I don't know yeah, I don't watch college ball in a while but uh, they it, got like BB core in them now so they're not as powerful but okay 
because this this thing I was like, oh my god, if my head would have been anywhere close to this, it would have smashed my head open like a cantaloupe. And like, where did Drew Barrymore in Fever Pitch? What's up? I said, where did Drew Barrymore in Fever Pitch? I see that's another one, man. I haven't I haven't seen that movie either. What? Okay. Oh Even no, we seen. might cut that because I honestly feel bad for you. <laughs> it's not. I I tell you, there's like this the age difference to a certain extent. I think makes a little bit of a difference, but like, I no, I, that was not a movie that I watched. That I watched. Because it was like Jimmy Fallon, right? Yeah, and yeah. I mean it's. He's got the New York Yankee toilet paper, dude. I would totally have Cubs toilet paper. It was just me. Yeah, like I was... watched it and saw myself. And they get season tickets. They're one oh eight guys. Like, come yeah, on, they're, you have they, to watch. Yeah, they, you have to watch this movie. If there's, uh, you know. if you don't watch that movie by the next time I see you, my suck summer, I'm gonna be really disappointed, man. Okay, so what do you want me to do? You want me to read the Hawk book, or do you want me to watch Fever Pitch? Did you guys grab my Hawk book? So for those of oh. you that don't know, I left my Hawk book at the uh, round table. They were giving out uh, prizes for people that were asking questions, and I got myself a hawk book and left it, and I have never been more devastated about something in my life. You were not the only one. There was at least three people that left their hawk book. And I had other priorities. <laughs> like getting home safe. Getting home safe, exactly. Yeah, it sounds like you guys had quite the uh, quite the. Start. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the weekend. We'll just do it while we have my sock summer on. So, Tony, why don't you start off? You were um, at the game on Friday, and then I was at the game on Saturday, and then we'll go ahead and we'll get Herb on because he's kind of waiting on standby for us. I, uh, I went on Friday night. Uh, I went with my buddy Jake, who I also attended opening day with. Shout out to Jake. Uh, we were sitting in the suites. Uh, good time up there. A lot of good accommodations. Yeah. The... Uh, the fridge was fully stocked the entire game with uh, the new sponsored beer, Budweiser. One yeah. of my one of my personal favorites. I know you're gonna ugh on that, <laughs> Not a but diesel guy? I I am a big Budweiser guy, uh, and they kept it stocked with Budweiser. Uh, so it was a good time <coughs> up there. It looked like the Sox were gonna come back. This was the uh, the Tim Anderson staring down the staring down the pitcher after he got hit. After it was, I think Omar Narvaez went deep. And, yes. uh, three run and shot into right, the one oh eight. No, like the one oh seven. I thought that ball I don't know, I don't remember exactly where it went, but the place it was, was actually the place actually erupted and it was actually one of the first times that I've been there in a while where it seemed like the stadium was close to full. I wasn't able to see the upper deck above me. I was sitting on the uh on the third base side and from the suites you can't really see above you, but the the lower level looked packed. There was a good atmosphere. Uh, they were they seemed to be coming back in that game, and then the wheels fell off. So, kind of a disappointing end of the night, but a good one nonetheless. Uh, good to see people getting out to the ballpark. And then uh, Saturday, John, you were able to make it out to the game. Yeah, so Saturday was quite the eventful day. It started off with Tony being indecisive. No, hold on, I butched that, but whatever. So Tony was just, he went back and forth like three different times from, yeah, I'm going to go, and no, I can't go. And what, what the listeners might not understand is it was Father's Day weekend, and it was also Tony's um, wife's birthday weekend. Happy birthday to her. So oh, he was a little bit tied up, but we like to give him a little bit of shit for not going. So like I said earlier, we went to the Sox on 35th and the Sox Mafia collab tailgate, which was a ton of fun. You know, I met a, Very fun. a, a ton of people. Um, watched White Sox Dave jump on a table and <laughs> you know what? That in, was... in review of that video, 
He never actually hit the table. No, he went no, truck to hit the ground. Truck to concrete. And yep. like it's debatable that his hand got caught under the table. But yeah, so I don't know. That was hilarious. So, but John, I wanna ask I wanna me, ask you, John, why you didn't jump onto the table. Uh maybe because the table was just absolutely demented after that. And it was unjumpable, but I honestly, like, no one asked me to jump on the table. Everybody asked Dave to jump on the table. <laughs> so that's why that happened. But yeah, I think I think that's the key. The yeah. key is you don't just go up there and say, you know what? I'm, I'm going to jump, jump on, on this, this fucking table. table. Yeah, you got to yeah. get someone to, like, kind of guilt trip you. And you're not cool if you don't jump on so this table. Like, you'd you're, be lucky a lot that you're, you you're lucky that I wasn't there. Because you would have been jumping on that Jumping table. on the table. Yep. Yeah, but you would have also been drinking beer out of a prosthetic leg. So it would have went full circle. Well, <laughs> You would have got an athlete's mouth. <laughs> no, shout out to that guy. That guy was awesome. Um, he showed the pod a little love, too. He listened to our last episode because we kind of gave him a little bit of a shout out. Um, I don't know his name. so he I was actually, He actually a- followed me back on, on Twitter. Uh, okay. We'll get his name and we'll Extended shout him out a little bit later in the in the yeah. in the podcast when I can find him. Extended shout out. So that was a lot of fun, and then um, I enjoyed the game in the 108 because I actually went by myself because Tony kind of just didn't want to go anymore, and I hit up a couple buddies, and it was super last minute, so I ended up going alone. But you know, the 108 guys, their family, they showed me a great time. I sat in the 108, and we had an awesome time. Plenty of vodka lemonades were drank. Plenty of Modellos were drank. Plenty yeah. of bathroom breaks were were taken, which we're we're probably coming up on one here soon. And oh, we, didn't, had, we didn't. You know what? We didn't set a line on tonight. My brother did. My brother did. He said four, and I was like, I'm taking the under on that because that's a little excessive. But I mean, <laughs> it was a great time. But after the game, um, we went over to the ballpark pub, and the 108 guys put. What did you guys put down on the tab? This goes back to that Twitter poll question. You guys put a yeah. ridiculous amount of money on this tab. So we had bet that. Uh, well, I hadn't. I didn't bet it. Uh, Cheer Easy and Beefloaf put out a a bet on the uh, sale game, and I don't remember the exact number, but I know it was it was betting like 100 to win like 265 or 285 or something. So they they put that down. They, it came through, which was an amazing night for White Sox just in general. Every White Sox fan was really stoked after that night. And so they threw 280 on the on the table, and then our Aloha Mr. Hand threw an extra 20, so there's an even 300. And then the ballpark, like ballpark pub guys, threw a hundred. So there was a four hundred dollar tab to open the day. So it was it was pretty nice. It was funny because it was Beef Love's birthday on Father's Day, yep. and everybody's yep. birthday was this week. And my mom's birthday is tomorrow, so shout out to her because she actually listens to us as well. So, but We're just I was trying to buy him. tonight. I know, right? I was trying to buy Beef Loaf a drink, dude, and I literally bought this man three Miller Lights before I could actually buy him a beer because they just kept putting him on his own tab, and I honestly felt terrible because I was like, hey, man, I'll get you a beer, and then like he's like, yeah, dude, hell yeah. Like, I don't know, but it was a great time. They had a roundtable. Sox Machine was there, so we had Jim yep. Margulis and Josh Nelson. You know, I got to meet them, and uh, Kevin Powell was there from 720. And, you know, the Sox on 35th guys, Johnny Nani, you know, Jordan Lazowski was there. So I, it was nice. It was a great gathering. And it wasn't like a huge bar. Like it was like 
you know, we were all kind of there in one room, and it wasn't even, like, overcrowded. So it was a great time. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, and I would love to do it again. So if you guys ever host another event, I am 100% penciled in. I will be there. They definitely want to do another event with us. Uh, Saxon 35th and us have been talking about doing something. We definitely throw you guys in on the take. Um, so yeah, they're just like, hey, if you can come and come by and do this on any any Sax game, it would, we would love it because you know they get they get a decent amount of people there, a lot of regular types, but that is not their like we we us coming in there on that Saturday definitely boosted their business enough to like get them pretty happy about it. So. Yeah, and the, like, I mean the uh, service was great. The bartenders were all friendly. Like it was a good time. Yeah, and the food's good too. I had a pot roast I, sandwich. Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really get around to the whole, the whole food deal. I was, I was over the whole food situation at that. Well, point. Well, John, you're <laughs> still, are you still on your, uh, your fish and chicken diet? Tony is such a. <laughs> I was about to let the c word ride. No, honestly, um, yeah. How's I that going? Let's let's check in on it. The diet's doing good, man. Um, I haven't really weighed myself because I don't have a scale in my house, but I am, you know, cutting down a little bit, so I can't hate that. And I, mo- mostly it was really because I was just really sick. So, I mean, I feel healthy, if that's what you're looking for, my guy. There you go. There you go. You Everybody, you just, John's healthy. That's all that matters, man. Both of you two are, like, really slight guys as it is. So... You just keep hanging out with us. You guys will f- don't need to go on a diet. You'll look skinny by proxy. So it doesn't even matter. <laughs> sure enough. All right. Well, oh, we guys. appreciate you for calling in, my Sock Summer. Uh, it's always a blast to have you on. You enjoy oh, yeah. the Thanks. rest of your night. I- Thanks for showing up, Jonna. Um, Tony, next time. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. You guys have a good night. You too, man. You too. All right. All right, so we're going to kind of switch gears over here. That's going to bring us on to our guest segment. Today we have Herb Lawrence from 670 The Score. He produces the Lawrence Home Show, like we said earlier. So, uh, Herb, how are you doing today, man? Doing good, guys. I'm doing very well. Much better than the White Sox, our beloved White Sox. <laughs> it's yeah, not so- very hard to be much better than the White Sox at this point in time. We actually didn't even get around to that yet, but the White Sox lost to the Cleveland Indians. They ended up getting swept, and today was the finale. They lost 12 to nothing today in a Corey Kluber start, so that was not impressive. Yeah, you kind of I mean, wanted to see yeah. going to lose today, but... The way they played today was just not representative of a team that is on the second year of rebuilding. So that's the disappointing problem. They just have these same mental errors and the physical errors, and then taking strikes down the middle, and you know, and the umps are you know not helping out either. So very disappointing series out in Cleveland. But what can you do? Not much you can, it, and it's not exactly what you thought you were going to see, especially the series that they had. And June 11th to the 13th, where uh, James Shields and and Covey beat beat Cleveland, this looked like a totally different ball club than than a week ago. Pretty pretty disappointing stuff. I think what's so like even more disappointing is that it was almost essentially we had like the same part of the rotation going that we did in that Boston series, and it was like a whole turnaround in production. It's so weird. I just don't know, like, where the inconsistency is coming from and why people are not doing what we thought they would do at this point of their career. Uh, Yohan Mankata 
for all the good stuff he does, and he's kind of just an average hitter right now. I'm more impressed with him on his defensive side, even though he makes the most errors and is the second baseman in the league. Uh, but I'm I'm disappointed in his bat so far. I don't know where why all these strikeouts this year, and the power bat hasn't shown up consistently enough for me to be like, okay, I, I could see where he's going. And I haven't seen the growth in the 23-year-old Yohan Mankata. Well, like I just said, 23, so I got some patience on him. And the team in general, the only people I could say that I am shocked by or like I'm getting above average performance are the like the part-timers, like Daniel Polka, who we know is not probably going to be in the rebuild, or Matt Davidson's having a good offensive year, and of course our first-place all-star guy, Jose Abreu. So you brought up a pretty interesting name right there in Jose Abreu, and I was listening to the broadcast earlier, and Jason Bonetti brought up like a ridiculous stat that I'm not sure if you guys are aware of. Um, Jose Abreu has five home runs against two pitchers, and the two pitchers that he has five home runs against, like those are the most that he has against any pitcher, is Corey Kluber and Justin Verlander. I get with the whole in-division thing for quite some time, but... They were talking about it on the broadcast. Like he just kind of shows up when, when the biggest uh, pitcher is kind of. I don't really know what I'm looking for here, but he 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 hits good against aces. <laughs> he he shines aces when he's supposed to. That's yeah. I think that's what you're looking for, and deservedly so. He's leading the American League first baseman in the All Star vote, so he's going to be the All Star on this team. John, you and I discussed this very early in. In uh, in our podcast, I think episode two, when we ran some polls on who's going to be an all-star, Avi Garcia, Yon Moncada, and Abreu were on that list. And I think Moncada like won, didn't he? Moncada won, but Abreu is tried and true at this point in time. He's going to be the all-star. I don't even think Yon's in the top five at this point in time. I, I wouldn't expect him to be. Not this year. He's not, he's not really going to be there for probably another – I don't think he's going to be there next year either. But two years from now, he's going to start to kind of – like when, when the team is built better, those type of players tend to produce better. You know what I'm saying? So, like, when with the team losing and the team not really hitting behind him, it's not really helping his confidence level in terms of, oh, well, I don't have to get on base right now because the dude behind me can hit a home run 40 times a year. You know what I'm saying? Well, let me pose this question over to Herb. Herb, how do you feel about Yon in the leadoff spot? I feel like if they're going to do it, do it every time, left and right. Let them get used to it. Um, I hate when they put him as a, like a seventh hitter as a right-hander. I know he's a terrible right-handed hitter this, this season, but he's not that much greater as a left-handed hitter this year. But um, And his on-base percentage is not enough to warrant him getting – all those bats that he's been getting this year, but there's probably not a better option than him. Or I would actually probably put uh, uh, Sanchez there, Yoma Sanchez there every day if we're going to do it every day. But um, his ideal spot, I think, is a two-hitter. When he's going well and he's the guy that we think that he is and the guy that Boston thought he was and the guy that Rick Hahn think he, thinks he is, he's a two-hitter, typical two-hitter. Because right now his... His plate coverage is terrible. He's uh, swinging, uh, swinging balls outside the zone. And then sometimes, I think pretty much like 36 times this year, he's got struck out looking. So obviously he doesn't know the strike zone as yet. 
and that was one of his things that he was uh, kind of lauded for back in the minors, that he wasn't, he didn't have a bad eye. It seems like he has a horrible eye. He's second in the league in strikeouts right now, and some maybe that's putting too much pressure on him in the leadoff spot. Maybe he's just getting way too many bats and not you know, getting the opportunity just to be himself, not put the, all the pressure on him to start the game off on on the on the right foot. So hopefully he just calms down after the All Star break and gets some time away where he can just say, "I'm a good player. I'm a good prospect." Because right now, can't believe his uh, his confidence is high at all. No, and you bring up you bring up that pressure thing, and this is something that I've kind of beaten the drum on for a while now is the fact that he was the number one prospect in all of baseball. They have him in the leadoff role. Uh, his his confidence, like you said, has got to be shot when he goes, you know, zero for four a few days in a row. He's getting rung up on you know strikeouts, looking that that'll do something to you. And I've always thought that this might be yon in his own head a little bit here um i don't know what the answer to that is and that's ricky Renteria's problem to kind of figure out and yon's problem to figure out here but uh you know one of the things that's big this we're a, we're a big white Sox twitter podcast herb and one of the big things on twitter that we constantly see and we talked about this with the guys at Sox on 35th last week is all the people who are on twitter right now absolutely worried about Yon Mankata. Herb, where do you put yourself in your level of worry? We want to know whether or not you're going to join the Sox on 35th and Shy Sox Weekly Yon Mankata boat for the people who are absolutely you know, 100% behind the fact that Yon's going to pan out or are you more in the camp of people who are a little bit skeptical and might be voicing some uh, opinions on whether and on the fact that you're worried about his development and what might take place over the next few years. I'm skeptical because I haven't seen the consistent performer that was the minor league baseball player of the year with the Red Sox organization. Um, I've seen glimpses of it. I've seen the before he got hurt this year, solid, really solid. Now, hopefully, that's the real player. But since he's come back off the DL. It's not been promising. Um, I'm in the very concerned, but still have hope because he's the only 23 boat. So uh, right on the fence, but more on the concerned, and he might be not the guy that we thought he would be. We're not going to put you in the boat, but we'll leave you on the dock for now. How about that? All right. <laughs> we got plenty well, of room. Guys are, yeah, you, guys we... are, you guys are both on the he's a stud. Don't worry, we're good. I'm a Mankata guy. I okay. I mean I get the strug- I mean I get all the worries. I get the struggles and whatnot. But like I said, I, you get a good team that's producing around him. He's going to produce too. Okay. I hope you are right. I hope I'm wrong. And I, will <laughs> I hope I am, I am too. <laughs> and and when it does pan out, Herb, we'll welcome you aboard uh, on that on that vessel because it's going to cruise its way a, all like the way. I need a side boat like that. I need the dock boat. Like you could just tug me along. I don't need to be on the actual boat because I. Yeah, we'll get you on the we'll get you on the lifeboat to start. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we also have a train, the Sebi Zavala train, and I want to bring up early in the year Zach Collins was was struggling mightily. And Home run derby looked, champion. It looked like yes, you know exactly where I'm going with this, John. 
Uh, it looked like Zach Collins was going to have just a really rough year, and Zavala was was absolutely killing it at the beginning of the year. Zach Collins, uh, in in White Sox news, he won the Double A Home Run Derby. The guy has been absolutely killing the ball lately, uh, which is why he was in that competition. And it sounds like Zach Collins is going to take that next step up into AAA very, very soon. Uh, Herb, do you follow these minor league teams, or are you more the kind of guy that's that's watching stuff at the major league level right now? I'm not following like day-to-day, but I'm hearing um, from people who work at other places like the Future Sox and things like that, that what their reports are. And, yeah, like you were saying, this Savisavala was going off early in the year and throwing people out at a 40% clip uh, as a catcher. Uh, I know that uh, Zach Collins wasn't necessarily known as a good defensive catcher, but I haven't known what he's done this year. You guys probably a little bit more than us, but I saw that he did win the home run derby yesterday in um, Birmingham for the Southern League. So it's very promising that he and um, uh, Eloy Jimenez are going to go up to Charlotte and tear up that place and then be up here by September. Well, at least we know that uh, Eloy is going to be up here. I don't know if they're going to be throwing out these catchers that we already have up here uh, in Nivaez and uh, Smith off the team just to get Sebi or uh, uh, Zach Collins a shot in September. They might probably wait for another year of uh, service time for them. I mean, it was way past it. It doesn't matter really now. But uh, it's very promising that our catching position, finally we're going to have some people that we've cultivated, drafted, and let go through the system, come through the system, and be kind of studs, you know. I'm I'm looking forward to Zach Collins, especially after last year where the year wasn't complete. It wasn't the guy that we thought he would be coming out of Miami. But now that guy is finally arriving in Birmingham and soon in Charlotte. Yeah, so there's going to be a lot of movement on the minor league front for the White Sox over the next couple of days with the All-Star break just passing. Um, Luis Robert posted on his Instagram today, kind of said, like, thank you to Kannapolis. So that's kind of insinuating that he's going to be up with the Winston-Salem Dash very soon. Uh, We got, I I mean, I've heard that Eloy Jimenez is going to be up with the Knights, like, within the next week or so. And I've also even heard that uh, Eloy Jimenez is probably going to, like, kind of pass Kopech on his timetable to the MLB, and he might even make it to the major league level before Kopech does. I mean, who saw these struggles that Kopech is having this year? I I certainly did in his first, like, five or ten starts. He was dominating AAA, and everybody was like, all right, let's let's call him up. Let's go. Uh, Gonzalez is struggling up here. We need to get a nice fifth starter. But uh, he has been struggling with his command and his uh, fastball command in particular and a secondary pitch that will work for him in the major league. So as long as he's not ready, keep him down there. There's no need to rush him up here. I think that's what they did last year with uh, Lucas Giolito. He turned out to be good last year, but he's lost right now. So whatever Michael Kopech needs to do and the White Sox need to do to get that guy right and dominating the AAA level again, Take the time. There's no rush. He's a youngster himself. I think, what, 21, 22 himself? Another year in Birmingham, another half year, I mean, another half year in Charlotte will do him well. And if Elo Jimenez, who is tearing up double A, passes him up, I'm fine with that. I've wanted Elo Jimenez up here ever since I saw him play, and he's tearing up every league he's ever been in. So uh, I don't think triple A is going to be any t- type of trouble for him. And if we could see him before the September call-ups, man. 
I'll be buying the first ticket. Wherever he's going to be playing at, I'll buy that ticket out to that ball game. Awesome. I think everybody echoes that feeling. I I did that for the uh, for the Moncada game last year. The day that he was called up, I pretty much dropped all plans just to be there. Uh, I don't know if you were there, Herb, but it was there was a different feeling in the ballpark when, when Yon took his first at-bat, and I can only imagine what it's going to be like when Eloy does. I just, yeah, imagine that, and then we're, we're adding on the Tim uh, debut and the Yon debut, and then it's going to be Eloy debut, and then Luis Rover uh, debut, and just putting prospects on top of prospects on top of prospects. And then by 2020, we're going to be ready to go, I think, hopefully. I know next year it's going to be us going through another tough rebuild year where the team's not going to be competitive in the AL Central, even though this is, uh, the AL Central is kind of garbage. But I just wait for the time where we're just seeing prospect on top of prospect on top of prospect, just battling each other to get up to the major leagues. And when they come up here, unlike some of these that have come up late, they come up and they perform yeah so you make a very interesting point that they're going to kind of start coming up in waves over the next couple of years and that they kind of have to push each other to perform better because you got guys that are competing for each other's spots you know that got you got a very crowded outfield with a ton of great prospects that want to see the major league level that are thirsty and hungry to see the major league level and they got to put in that consistency like you said that's a key word they got to be consistent so I'm really excited to see how that pans out throughout not even just the next couple of years, but just over the next couple of weeks to see not even who goes to the major league level, but just to see who moves around through the minor leagues to see like who's really setting themselves apart from everybody else. So, Yeah, I remember last year I was excited when we got Eloy going from, uh, excuse me, going from double A or single A to double A. And I was like, okay, here we go. And he just did what he does every single level. And, I'm going to be looking forward to him hopefully only like a month in Charlotte and then coming right up to the Major League major league team. So, Herb, uh, we touched on this a little bit last week, uh, the, the path and the timelines on what we expect for uh, some of these guys, specifically Eloy. And one of the things that I think that the Sox will need to do in order to call up Kopech and Eloy is make some moves at the trade deadline. Because that outfield is so crowded, um, and, John, you just brought up that you heard that, that Eloy's timetable might now be ahead of Kopech's. I, myself, am a little skeptical on that. Herb, what do you expect for the White Sox at the trade deadline? And Do you think they can clear space for some of these prospects? There's not much that really looks all too movable, in my opinion. I mean, maybe you get somebody to take James Shields, and that then you can bring up Kopech or you can bring up a Jordan Stevens into the rotation and give him some time there. But uh, I, I really don't think that they're going to have the trade deadline that they had last year or, you know, the type of movement that we're used to seeing in this rebuild. I'm, I'm expecting more little minor deals for some relievers like Xavier Cedeno and so forth. Herb, what, what, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, James Shields not making that much money for, for the White Sox. I think he's making $22 million total, but half of that's getting paid by the Padres and the Yep. Sox are forking up the rest of it. And so any team that sees what James Shields has done lately can use that. A team in contention that doesn't have a lot of money, uh, Milwaukee comes to mind. Uh, the Braves on a, on, a, on a back end, the fifth starter, would be a perfect fit for James Shields. Not going to get anything nice, maybe a low-level A ball player from the Braves, but the Braves have a good farm system. Uh, maybe they're 
35th, 36th prospect is a guy who's a top 15 for another uh, club. So somebody who's just uh, just, a, just another arm, another guy, but nothing special. And then you get that payroll off of your uh, chest on the five million left in the James Shields contract. But as far as outfield, outfielders, I wish Avi had played the whole year, and teams could have saw him, or they would have traded him in the off season. I'm big time Avi Garcia guy, but I know he wasn't going to be here when we're going to get good. So it's his injury really hurts, and I think he'll be stuck on the team for another year and clogging up another spot for somebody like Eloy to come up and take his spot. As far as Nicky Delmonico or Daniel Polka, I think they're just guys, good guys. You know, They've done a nice representative job since they've been called up, but they're just guys who are just major league fourth outfielders, if that. Um, nothing special, and I don't know if anybody's going to be looking to go and trade for those guys in particular. And Adam Engel doesn't hit. He has good gloves sometimes, but no one's going to be looking for a guy with a, uh, just a, a decent glove and no kind of hit ability. He has the speed ability where maybe somebody would try to jump on him for a pennant run if they're looking for a late-inning steal like a Jared Dyson type of thing did a couple of years with the Royals. But I don't even know if he has that steal uh, tool like that, especially like making uh, like 85% successful. So, yeah, they've got a lot of pieces where they got to just you know suck it up and probably either DFA a couple guys if they have their options left or send them back down to AAA. Otherwise, it's going to be a clogged system. But Eloy's coming, so somebody's going to have to move aside, though. That was a great answer. So I think it was funny that Tony kind of brought that up. Um, 670 The Score does this segment where it's called Ask Herb, and you can kind of ask him whatever question you want. So I had I kind of fielded around to a couple buddies to try and get some questions for you, and one of my buddies asked a two-parter, and uh, this is from my buddy Andrew. Shout out Big Zims, <laughs> but we're just giving a ton of shout outs today. But uh, he said, "Do you think James Shields gets traded into what team?" Which you already just answered, and then he also said, "Do you think that the Sox will be in the market for a lockdown closer next year? Because there are a couple closers that are going to be available. I mean, like Kelvin Herrera is going to be one of them. I just off the top, but do you think next year maybe the Sox will be looking for like kind of that bullpen back end piece that can shut out games? Not next year because I don't think they're going to be in contention. Two reasons: because they're not going to be in contention, and then I think Zach Birdie's going to be coming off the DL, and that's going to be a guy that they're going to be depending on." to maybe start in Charlotte next year, but by the middle of the year, they're going to be having him as their, their closer. Maybe they can give no him a to... Bobby Jenks plan and just throw him in the middle of a punt race. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if they're if they hey, if they're good, man. Uh, Zach Birdie is already throwing off the mound, so I, I can see him being just just dominant because he's got he's got exactly what you need. That 80 fastball that the scouts rate him at is no joke. And if you can master a secondary pitch, he'll be deadly, especially like Bobby Jenks was a rookie. People haven't seen him yet. They haven't adjusted to what Zach Birdie can throw. But as far as getting one and spending big money on him, I, I mean, that David Robertson thing was trying to compete after they signed some good people themselves, Melky, and then trading for uh, Todd. And they thought they were going to compete that year. I don't think they're going to think they're going to be competitive in 2019. So, going out for a closer, I think, would be kind of 
outlandish. Hopefully they don't do that. So, Herb, let's let's take a look at our current rotation and some of the guys that are, you know, projected to be in that rotation when we are competitive. Now, one of the guys that I've always pegged as, you know, who could be a shutdown piece in the bullpen is Reynaldo Lopez. I know he's been probably the most exciting starter to watch outside of a few games today comes to mind, but where do you, what do you think this rotation is going to look like? And is there anybody in that pipeline in the minors or currently on a rotation right now that you see ending up as a bullpen piece? As a bullpen piece? Um, I think that um, the only way that Carson Fulmer comes I was, I knew it was coming. I knew it. Is as a bullpen guy because he has filthy stuff, but I don't think it lasts for a long time. He's a, I don't think he has the stamina to do it. And as a bullpen guy, I, uh, I mean, I already said Zach Birdie. Um, I just got people who are in the rotation for myself. Of course, Dayton Dunning is looking really good at the Double A level. Looked great last year. Kopech I see as a starter. Alec Hansen I see as a starter. Cease as a starter. So some one of these guys uh, has to step up. Either you say Ronaldo Lopez, you should you can move to the bullpen. I I, I see that happening. I mean I mean I could see that happening, but he's do, too good of a starter right now to move him out of the starting rotation, even though his xFIP is really high. Um, I'm trying to think. Is uh, I don't know. Is um, Lucas Giolito a starter or reliever? I think he can be a back end starter. I think he can definitely be a back-end starter from what the guy gave the White Sox last year in 2017, the seven starts that he did have. That guy was confident. That guy was throwing his pitches where he wanted them. He was uh, not shook shook easily by a bad call by an ump or a ball that he thought he can he uh, aced. This year, just I don't know what's wrong with his head. I think it's mostly mental instead of his stuff is decent and plays up here in the major leagues, but. I don't know what happened to him. Yeah, so like you said, it's uh, like it's mostly mental. And when we had Dave on, we had White Sox Dave on. He hates Lucas Giolito. He thinks he will never amount to anything. Like he went off on this huge tangent. It was honestly hilarious on how he just it thinks Lucas Giolito is an absolute bum. Yeah, I but, mean, yeah, but I don't does, know if he does. He think he does. He doesn't have the stuff. I remember he was telling me that he doesn't have the good stuff to, to play in the major leagues. I think he I has don't, stuff to play. I don't remember the context. Throw it. The context of the question that I asked White Sox, Dave, and I'll pose this to you, Herb, is the challenges that, that he's facing right now. And you saw Carson Fulmer go through this, and maybe it's poor utilization of, of their talents because we already discussed Carson Fulmer. The only way he comes back is in the bullpen. And, John, I, I don't know. I haven't really followed Carson Fulmer since he's been down at Charlotte, but I'm pretty sure he's still starting and getting shelled. Still walking um, every other batter that he faces. But what – how at fault is the White Sox system and coaching staff and even Don Cooper for the struggles that Lucas Giolito and Carson Fulmer have faced? And White Sox Dave said none of it because, you know, Lucas. He, his reasoning behind it was that Lucas Giolito is in his own head and Lucas Giolito just sucks. But I, I'm kind of along the lines of there's got to be something. If, if it is mental, 
there's got to be somebody who's got to try and help work him through that. Uh, so that's what I'll pose to you is, you know, Lucas Giolito at some point in time lost that confidence and why, and you know, what's the route to get him back there to where he needs to be. And I'm a guy who believes that pitching coaches are pretty much the only people on the major league staff that can affect performance, um, specifically. And so if we're going to give Don Cooper credit for all the, you know, fix, fixer uppers he's done, and the latest one with Dylan Covey, we're going to give him credit for that one. i got to give him some blame for Lucas Giolito and give him some blame for Carson Fulmer. Um, that stuff is his job, to get them to have optimal performance. And right now, those two in particular are struggling. Um, I know we, I just talked about the XFIP of uh, Ronaldo Lopez, but he has a high XFIP, but he somehow gets out of the jams that he puts himself in with the uh, high uh, hit rate and such like that. These guys are just mental midgets right now. And I don't know what Don Cooper or the minor league pitching coaches, especially with Carson Fulmer, are saying to these guys or are uh, giving them what advice they're giving them. But it's definitely not working for uh, Lucas Giolito. I'm looking at the stats for Carson Fulmer. It's a mid-threes, the mid-threes uh, ERA down there in Charlotte. Still a high FIP and ex-FIP. So same guy, and like you said, he's walking every other guy. It's it's not working. Whatever he's doing is not working. They need to do something different than the than than what they're doing right now because those guys will more more Lucas than Carson. We're counting on being big time pieces in the rebuild. Now, if you get one of those guys out of that Eaton trade to be the guy that you expected to get, either Lopez or Giolito, and hell, even Dunning to be the guys in the starting rotation, you say that trade is successful. But I think Lucas Giolito has the best stuff of all three of the guys, even though that Lopez has shown the best on the major league level. Is this kind of the same thing, in your opinion, is kind of the same struggles that Yon Moncada is going through with the I was a top prospect at once and, and the pressure? Or is this something that is completely independent to, to both of them? Because I kind of attri- attribute both of their struggles to to that. Yeah, um, you could see that. I mean, Lucas Giolito, number one pitching prospect when he was uh, early in his Washington Nationals career. Um, after he came back from the Tommy John surgery. And then the fact that that, uh, the Nats were so willing to give him away after he didn't pitch that particularly well in the majors that year they brought him up kind of shocked me that, oh, man, they're including two major league pitchers or pitchers who have pitched in the major leagues and also throwing in a third guy. Wow, great. And since last year's great seven starts, he hasn't been the guy that, Everybody envisioned him to be coming out of Harvard-Westlake in California. I don't know what what the fix is, because if I did, I would call Coop and say, fix this guy this way. But there's got to be something to it of being a big-time prospect, being counted on to be the one of the cornerstones of this rebuild, because the Sox have put a lot of pressure on him and Moncada to be the guys we as Sox fans too. And that's why we're talking about him right now, because we expect better of him. And he needs to throw that stuff out. If he's listened to us, he's already lost. He's listened to the fans are watching and reading newspapers. He's already lost. He's already, his uh, head's not where he needs to be. So 
I don't know what he needs to do, but he needs to do something about it because he's one of the clutch pieces that we need to come through so the Sox uh, rebuild to be successful. All right. Herb, you have done nothing but give phenomenal responses to every single question that we've asked. I love it. Um, so, I yeah, we didn't even really, I mean, we kind of introduced you. We asked, I mean, we told our listeners, you know, like what you do for 670 and whatnot, but do you kind of want to introduce yourself and give a little bit of a background and let our listeners know, like, maybe a fun fact about you or something? Um, yeah, um, Herb, I uh, work here at the score. I'm the producer before I left for San Diego like two, three years ago, and now I'm back at the score working with Lawrence's home show, and I do, we do cover the Cubs, and so I am the board op for the Cubs here at the score, and I don't hate the Cubs, I actually enjoy watching some of the Cubs, because they're a fun team to watch, but when it goes against the Sox, I, I mean, I absolutely detest Cubs and Cub fans at those <laughs> six games, because we I all love it, come on, Cub we, fans we... are the biggest dicks in the world. And we that's love why you're that. You're on the Shy Sox Weekly podcast. Exactly. So, Herb, you are you are a big Sox guy, and I think I read some stuff on Twitter. I was following this, and White Sox Dave is a big "Don't wear a Cubs jersey to a White Sox game" guy, and I think you are his partner in crime on that. If I'm, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, not just White Sox Cubs stuff. Just if you're wearing like a Houston Astros game to a game where the Astros are not playing at that stadium. It's kind of like wearing like a, a concert T-shirt. You're going to a, a winger concert and you're wearing a Metallica shirt. I mean, they're not playing. So what are you trying to do? Are you trying to show out? It's kind of weird. So I don't know so, why we both got it. We're both Wheaton guys, so maybe that's why okay. we're both adamant about it. So you guys are both Wheaton guys, but you do butt heads a little bit, and we kind of pointed this out at the tailgate. You're a big U of I guy, huh? Mm-hmm. I'm a huge U of I guy. I guy. He. We went to two different high schools. I'm a little older than I went to Wheaton North, he went to Wheaton South, uh, big-time rivals. And then, yeah, he likes Northwestern. I like Illinois. Go Cats. Um, and uh, that's about it. That we're different. Otherwise, me and Dave get together. No, sorry, I like Miller Light. he likes Bud Light. I don't know who likes Bud Light except for people living in St. Louis. I shotgun Bud Light, but that's about it. I, mean, I can shotgun Miller Light, I could, too. I'm a big Budweiser guy, but Bud Light, mm-hmm. not at all. In, in fact, I'll, I'm going to have to crack another Budweiser. <laughs> there it is. Cheers, Herb. Uh, Herb's on the job. He can't. Some, he can't some, join some, us with some bud. Uh, some bud diesel. Some bud yes, heavy. Bud diesel. Yes, bud heavy. That's uh, the new sponsor of the the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, so we're just sponsored out. I drink Modellos heavily. I'm a Modelo guy, so I'm currently sipping on a Modelo. But yeah um what's your take on budweiser being the new sponsor if you're a miller light guy obviously you're kind of probably a little salty that miller light's not the sock sponsor anymore hey just go for the money i mean i'm sure there was some type of dispute between uh, the white Sox and miller light get the money i think the beer now is much better than it was when they're miller Light. oh yeah especially with like the craft brewery and stuff that's crazy you could go there and get like a, a crazy selection of beer yeah, and the Bud people, uh, uh, what AB uh, and as a Bush have a lot of people like like little craft beers underneath their umbrella. So stuff that we couldn't get back in the day, the Revolution Brewing, we get now. That's great. That tap room they have upstairs at the uh, left field is really nice. So yeah, I can live without Miller Lite. I'm not a Miller Lite guy. Like you know, I gotta have it, but if I had to choose a domestic uh, swill beer, I would choose Miller Lite over Bud Light. 
Fair enough. Absolutely. So, Herb, you make it. It sounds like you make it out to the ballpark quite a bit. Uh, what's your favorite area to sit in when you're uh, at, at enjoying a White Sox game? It's the 531 section. I we sat up there the other day when I really you John. Yeah, I we uh, Lawrence Holmes has uh, season tickets up there. He's four. That's uh, like row seven, and it's right behind home plate. It was like 80 degrees, 85 degrees that day, and it felt pleasant. It felt really good because the shade was over us like after the second inning, and we could see everything perfectly. The vantage point was perfect. Uh, balls were not coming at us at 100 miles per hour. They were come at a leisure pace, and we could have caught it if we need one or if we had one come in our actual area. It was perfect. I, I, uh, I've been sitting up there probably the last, Four times I've gone, I've gotten tickets up there, and then sometimes they've closed off the upper deck because there wasn't enough people in the ballpark, so they just gave me a lower deck ticket. But if I'm going to go to a game, I'm just going to pay for the 531 section or the 530-29 section and sit up there. It's It can't be beat. The first 10 rows can't be beat. Wow. That's... What about you guys? So oh, I'm going to I'm going to take this one. Well, I'm going to give you one more question. So you mentioned that okay. Lawrence Holmes has has season tickets to the White Sox. Is Lawrence a Sox fan or is he a Cubs fan? Because I've always he's a questioned. Big time Sox fan. He's a big time. He's Sox a big time Sox fan, but he has to stay impartial as far as him hosting the show. So yeah, he's a huge Sox fan. He's not a. Um, I don't like he has he gets Cubs tickets like four or five times through the station here because. We have free Cubs tickets every day, so he has tickets for the Cubs like four games a year, I think part of his contract, but otherwise he has a White Sox, uh, I don't know what type of season plan, not the full season plan, but I'm pretty sure he has either a quarter or a half season plan for the White Sox. He's probably got that one that uh, Johnny Nani's got, it's like a 40 game plan or something like that. Was Lawrence at the game with you on Saturday? I don't even remember if you were telling me that. Yeah, he was at the game, it was... um, Myself, Lawrence, and uh, one of our friends, uh, Shaquille Taylor, okay. he's right for for uh, Fangrass. He was on a scholarship for Fangrass uh, a couple months ago, and uh, awesome. we just sat up there. And then we went down to Section 150, where Lawrence met up with some of his old colleagues at his uh, TV station, uh, 120 Sports. Now it's called Stadium, and we just boiled for the last two innings. It was in the direct sunlight, and I don't know why we went down there just to meet those <laughs> people, but. It was, I think it was 85 on the field. It felt like 110 because the sun was just yeah. blazing that day. I don't know where you guys sat that day, but we were in the sun the last eighth and ninth inning, and I was just yes. drained after the game. I actually ended up sitting. So me and Tony had originally planned on going to the game together, and we didn't really plan on like oh, where we, we were going to sit or anything. But <laughs> no, I'm not even going to call it. No, so uh, I already told her about everything when we were at the tailgate. But um, so... I actually sat with the 108 guys, like you were talking with like Cherizi and My Sock Summer and stuff before the game. So I ended up sitting in the 108, and it was sunny until like the sixth or seventh inning, and then it died down. But I caught myself quite the tan, no doubt. Yeah, it's, it was brutally that day. But uh, yeah, that's, that's 531. It was just the perfect amount of breeze blowing through. And when we moved down to 150, no breeze at all. Even the sun just killed that too. <laughs> when I when I do go, I'm actually a big club level guy. Um, you can actually grab those club level tickets on the end 
for about half the price of a regular club level ticket, and club level is wow. never full. So uh, Tony, yeah, I it, actually, uh, I actually did that for Father's Day. I bought me and my dad some club level seats. We're going uh, July tenth. They're playing the Cardinals, so. Yeah, if you, if, if, in left field, all the way on the end. I don't know the section number, but uh, if you're ever looking for for a little bit of an experience in the club level, uh, you can get those tickets. They're about half the price of the normal ones, and there's a bar that's right behind those seats. It's right right off by the by the fundamentals or the kids zone deck. Uh, great seats right there. The bathrooms are never full, and if it is hot or cold, I set I set their opening day. Um, in the snow, and we were not cold at all. Uh, you could just go right inside, warm up a little bit, or go inside, cool off a little bit, get get in, get yourself another beer. Uh, even if you want to sit there, they'll they'll uh, they've got a waitress that'll come out or a waiter that'll come out and and serve you whatever they have up there. They've got quite the beer selection there as well, a lot of different craft beers. But uh, I, I enjoy the club level experience, um, especially at the discounted price. Um, but other than that, I mean, I'll sit anywhere. Uh, some one of my favorite favorite spots is out in left field by the bullpen. Okay, and so the club level you're talking about, like the 300 level. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, man, I see one right here for thirty three dollars. Goodness gracious! I it's know a steal, man. Yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. an absolute steal. Uh, I'm giving away some insider secrets. I feel like at this point, in time, I was about to now say everybody's about gonna to box every, out. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm about to be boxed out of there. But I don't know. I didn't know all that was great. That's a great seat. Yeah, those are really yeah. good seats at a really good price. I, I feel like you really can't beat that. I'll um, be in that so section I, July 10th. If you want to come hang out with me and my dad, Herb, we'll be there. July 10th, what day is that of the week? It's like a Tuesday. They're playing the Cardinals. It's just some random. It's like a random two-game set. I wish I could have. If it was an afternoon game, definitely I would do it. Yeah, it's I'm evening. On. I'm in because I'm a night guy. They, they, get, they make me work here at night, jerks. Yeah. That's right. Tuesday, 7-10. Ah, I can go to the uh, – nope, the Wednesday's the 7-10 too. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Come on, White Sox. Yeah, right. Well, we will definitely together catch a game, me, you, and Tony, for sure, dude. You sound like you know a lot about not only the White Sox, but just the game of baseball, and I would love to kind of pick your brain and just sit in the stands with you someday. A hundred percent. I think, uh, I don't know when White Sox, Dave, and uh, the whole Barstool people are doing their uh, tailgate. We went last year. Chris Tannehill and myself went last year, and we had a good time. And, uh, yeah, I would love to chop it up with you guys at a game. It will be great. Yeah, I of course. Believe, Tony and I are I believe probably going to make 14th. it to that. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's July 14th. Uh, Tony is like a pretty much for sure, and I just got to buy my ticket at this point. I'm in. I'm done. All right. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a good time out there. I did hear rumblings that uh, Sox Mafia may be out there with Sox on 35th for a pregame tailgate uh, like they kind of did last weekend. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, so let's get your kind of quick take before we let you go, Herb. How did you uh, enjoy that whole tailgate experience at Sox Mafia and Sox on 35th through and, like, all that good stuff? It's absolutely uh, fantastic. Uh, I didn't get to see the part where Dave hit the concrete or the table and then the concrete. But before my phone that, oh, jeez, John. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but before that, we had a excellent time. Good meeting you, guys, uh, meeting you John, and then uh, – Let's see, I met a couple other people that, you know, I had names. I mean, I had uh, Twitter follows, but I never had a, a face to it. So exactly. it was good to It was nice to put uh, a, a face to the voice. Yeah, and the 
the guy with the prosthetic that he drank the the beers from, it's classic. That's great. Absolute don't know champion. Name. We don't know his name either. You know what? I'm going to get his name right now. I'm getting his name right now because we, we, actually said, shout out. we actually said that we were going to shout him out a little bit earlier in the show before you joined us. It's Billy Refeld. Uh, really? He's on Billy Twitter Refeld. at okay. Break. Breaking, breaking bad. bad. Yeah, like breaking bad. I knew that, but I don't know his actual name. Okay. Yep. Well, shout out to you, man. Keep doing what you're doing cuz you are a one-man show. That was great entertainment. You know what? He would be right. he would be great to come on the pod for for a little segment. And I want to So know. I was actually talking with Sox Mafia and they would be more than willing to come on the podcast at any given time. Awesome. Sorry. Well, I, I sorry, would something like something came on my TV that kind of distracted me with sons. John, yeah, problem. I was, yeah that guy was a uh, the guy was a beast. He did it twice. He like he wasn't satisfied with that first time, and he just, like chugged the second one. Yeah, like, we told we told Tony that if he ever went to the game, uh, that he would have to drink out of the prosthetic too. That's not gonna happen. <laughs> I mean, it's all he sweat, right? It's the only thing that would be in there, right? <laughs> you drink worse before. Come on. Yeah. I mean, if you pay me like fifty dollars, maybe I would do it. But otherwise, okay. no, I'm not for free. Whoa. All right, I think we can pull together okay. fifty dollars between our listeners. So you might want to <laughs> retract that statement. <laughs> I'm surprised. If it's I'm surprised tailgate, you would go higher I, with that. If it's a tailgate, I'll do um, almost anything if I'm out there un, uninhibited. And I don't got to go anywhere that day. That day, I had to go to a, a later party that was in um, West Loop, so I knew I had to stay kind of. Um, sober. So, All right, but so let's, that night, let's let's drop him with the question, John, that we asked the one hundred eight. Uh, Herb, before we let you go, what's the what's the most fun you've had at a White Sox game? How inebriated have you ever been at a White Sox game? And and we want to know what the what the pinnacle of of a Herb Lawrence experience at a White Sox game is. I am trying to think of one. I don't. I've never really been fallout blackout drunk at a White Sox game because I'm usually there to, to watch the actual action. I'm trying to think of a a spot where I got kind of drunk. Because hmm. when I used to go to the White Sox games back in the day when the White Sox were here at the score, I had to stay sober the whole time because I was an employee. Uh, I'm trying to think of a game. I don't know. I am pre- stayed pretty sober at U.S. Southern Field. But I've gone to White Sox games on the road, like in Pittsburgh, and I got really blotto. And I'd already been at uh, PNC, so uh, that night we just uh, stumbled across to uh, Permanis Brothers. It was this earlier this year, uh, downtown. Because the whole city of Pittsburgh is closed at like 10 o'clock. The game ended probably at 10.30, but we had already left because the Pirates were killing the White Sox. And so uh, we were just stumbling, me, Tanny, and Brendan down the streets of Pittsburgh, uh, just looking for something to eat. And finally, after like 30 minutes of walking, we found a Permanent Brothers and we killed a couple sandwiches and uh, didn't do anything untoward to the city of Pittsburgh, just cussed it out, kind of like, why are you closed at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday? <laughs> I'm kind of tame on the drinking. It takes a lot for me to get drunk. No, fair enough. And, and, I'm, maybe old. We'll... and I'm old, too. I'm like 39, so... Um, back in my youth, I used to do some uh, other stuff where, you know, take a half of Xan and then 
drink some beer, and then pass out on my uh, pile of clothes. But otherwise, I don't do that anymore. That was what we needed right there. That was it. <laughs> yes, the half a Zan. I love it. Oh, oh my God. That was great. We need to get this guy down to the 108. We do. You need to experience a game down there. It's a, game. It's a life changer. Yeah, those guys look like they're a lot of fun. You guys definitely are. So yeah, that night, that day, I was just... Uh, just get tickets at the 108 section, right? That's it? Yeah, I mean, I dude, you can, yeah, you can just get 100-level tickets and just mosey on over, cool. especially with how yeah. dead the ballpark is right now. That yeah, being said, I'm, get to the ballpark, people. Yeah, I'm in. Shout I'm out in. there for but, Johnny. Yes, sir. All right, well, we thank you so much for coming on, Herb. I know you got to kind of get out of the studio there, and you got to get on with your night. So you have an incredible night, and thank you so much for coming on again. Gentlemen, I had a great time. Thank you for having me on, and anytime you guys want to do this again, I'm in. All right, Absolutely, Herb. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks, guys. All right. All right, everybody. That was Herb Lawrence from 670 The Score. That was an incredible interview, Tony. That was great. Yeah, he has a lot of baseball knowledge. I mean, he just absolutely destroyed some of those questions that we were asking him. Uh, like you said, ask Herb on 670 the score. Uh, I feel like we just went through about 40 minutes of ask Herb there, and he answered everything that we wanted him to. And the like the way he answered every single question, that man is so knowledgeable. I can't wait to get to the ballpark and catch a game with him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So while we were in the break, you kind of strung a little something together. We were talking about how we had two guests on and it had never been done before on Shy Sox Weekly and you decided that you just wanted to kind of go over the top here. So what would you do while we were on the break there, Tony? So while we were on the break, because we strive for fucking excellence on Shy Sox Weekly, we wanted to get one more guest in for you guys and we're going to bring back a guy that we had on last week from Sox on 35th who also partook in some of the festivities on Saturday that John's again going to say you didn't show up for, but we brought back Johnny Nani. Johnny, how are you doing today? I am doing great, Tony. Great to be back on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So it's funny that you bring it up because me and Johnny were both very inebriated at the ballpark pub, you know, debating Northwestern Illinois, totally off topic from the White Sox, and he had said, do you guys have a guest this week? Because I would love to come on. And I said, you know, we kind of got something in the works. That was really what I was working on Saturday was going to book a whole nother guest. And I successfully did it. You know, we had a, we just crushed it with Herb. And I we're going to make all parties happy. So we had Johnny on tonight. So, Johnny, how did you enjoy your weekend at the White Sox ballpark? I know you went to a few games this weekend. So kind of give us the rundown of everything that you experienced this weekend. Yeah, no, it was a absolutely great weekend at the ballpark. Um, Saturday was just such a fun day. Thank you to everybody that came out from White Sox Twitter, anybody that heard about it on our Instagram, on our Facebook, anything. We really appreciate it. The tailgate was awesome. Us and Sox Mafia, we threw one of the best events that you could ever be at at uh, the guaranteed rate field all summer. Uh, they were breaking tables. Guys were chugging beers out of their prosthetic legs, as we promised on the last podcast. And then the game was, you know, it sucked that we lost, but, I mean, I still had a good time with the game. I mean, I never have a bad time at a White Sox game. And then afterward, 
I was over at Chinex with the Sox Mafia guys. That was awesome. Got to talk to James Kilroy, the founder of Sox Mafia, and then some of those other guys that were also there. Uh, they're all just great guys. So if you ever have a chance to get out to another uh, tailgate in the future, I highly recommend it. And then that's on um, me for not having my uh, my ringer muted. Continue. Sorry. <laughs> and then, uh, and then obviously I came to the ballpark pub there, and I saw you, uh, John, at the uh, ballpark pub. But no, that was great. I was on the drunk roundtable, not the regular roundtable where the <laughs> logical people talk. I was on the drunk roundtable. They were it was both me. very entertaining. It was me and Cherizi from Section 108, and uh, it was great. I liked answering everybody's questions, and uh, yeah, it was just a great time overall, hanging out with the 108ers, seeing everybody from White Sox Twitter out. We had White Sox Dave out there. We had, um, you know, the 108. We had Sox Machine. It was, I mean, it, it was a great meetup. Ballpark Pub is a good place to do it, and if you can get out there after a game, I highly recommend it. Nothing but good things came from this weekend, it sounds like. Yeah, uh, it was just a great time. So you guys got into a little bit of a heated debate. I actually saw a picture of you two staring each other down. <laughs> and I just want to know, like, at what point in time, John, did you, like, cower in fear from Johnny? Because he was, like, giving you the eye. See, like, it's he funny just, because... You, the thing, like, I mean, you're a very good debater, my friend, and you do install fear in your opponents, but I was never at one point worried during that debate because Northwestern holds the upper hand over Illinois right now. So we got into the past and, like, the history and stuff, and Illinois will obviously crush Northwestern in the history aspect, but in terms of up and coming in right now, Northwestern is, but I mean, in Illinois, too, they got that, I don't know how to pronounce the kid's name, but Ayo, Ayo Dasamnu or whatever. Dasamnu. Yeah, that that dude is going to be unreal to watch in the Big Ten over the next couple of years. So this is our Shy Sox Weekly segment where we don't talk about the White Sox. And um, I want to quickly clarify something. I was like really, really drunk when we did that. And I said Hunter Johnson. I called him RJ Hunter. And uh, some guy, I'm actually going to pull up, pull it up right now. Some dude called me out and was like, <laughs> RJ Hunter, question mark. Because I don't know if you guys know, but R.J. Hunter was that dude from March Madness a couple years ago, and he had, like, a little cup of coffee in the NBA. So I kind of got the Hunter aspect of that mixed up. But all in all, great argument. Um, we had another argument um, kind of between me, White Sox Dave, and Herb that wasn't uh, televised, I guess you could say. I was going to say videoized, but Periscope. it was kind of like a Periscope. Periscope, yeah. yeah it wasn't Periscope. Yeah, it wasn't periscope eyes and uh you know so i mean i would love to go catch a u of i northwestern game with you my friend or any like even herb or and like bring dave along and just kind of get the gang together and just talk a lot of shit tailgate get drunk and do our thing i know they play every year so i think this year it's actually at in evanston again which is closer to me i don't know but i think you said you're from joliet so yep yeah, so that's obviously any time it's going to be closer than going to Champagne. So yeah, but yeah, I would love to catch that game with you, and that bet still stands, my friend. Yeah, no, absolutely. We we have a fifty dollar bet on it, and I'll stand by it. I mean, it's on. Like I said, it's Periscope proof, so we you know we can't back from back down from it. So um, it's standing. The bet is, but yes, great debate as always. Um, 
I mean, it's it's all in good fun. We I just love Illinois. I went there, so obviously I'm U of I guy. And then you're a big Northwestern guy, which is totally understandable. You're from you know the area, and you go to a lot of games and stuff. So big, no no uh, reason why you shouldn't be a big fan. So it, I, res- it, I, I, I respect the hell out of it. So, and, yeah. uh, so this is the point. I'm totally down to go to a game. This well, is it the, was actually this is the point on. where I cut you off, John, and say we need to get back on White yeah. Sox conversation. Voids fill the void. Yeah, I can't wait to edit out all of that conversation. Uh, <laughs> let's let's move on a little bit, and and Johnny, I want to get let's let's talk about the week ahead in White Sox baseball. We're back uh-huh. home on a homestand. We've got it looks like four against Oakland, and then uh-huh. three more against Minnesota. Johnny, are you getting yourself out to the ballpark this week? Yeah, so I am scheduled to go tomorrow, which is Thursday, so it'll probably drop tomorrow, but that so that'll be today. But uh weather's not looking too good, but we're hoping to, you know, get it in. If it does get either way, I'm my my tickets are for Thursday and for Saturday. And uh whatever I'm sure they'll give me a make up ticket, you know, uh if the game gets rained out, they'll give me uh make up tickets. So um Tomorrow, I'm planning on going there. There's a sick, t- you know, it's t- free T-shirt Thursday is the thing for the White Sox. They brought it back this year, and the one for this Thursday is the Red Line T-shirt, which has like a picture of like a Red Line like train on it. Then it has the Sox 35th stop on it, which is obviously what we named our blog after Sox on 35th. So um, that's what they have. Yeah. Um, Didn't you say that, it was cold earlier, John? Cold and wet is the same <laughs> terminology. Yeah, same thing. Uh, then also Saturday, though, it, after the Sox play the Athletics at 110, the Sandlot is showing in the ballpark. I know the 108ers tweeted at the White Sox and asked if there was going to be certain concession sales going on throughout that screening. Obviously, we know what they're talking about with beer. Um, and obviously, we but, know that's not happening. Yeah, probably not. Well, we never got an answer back from the White Sox on that. Yeah, yeah, I would highly doubt that it would actually continue. But anyway, I will also be there Saturday. So if you see the Sox and 35th flag in Lappy on Saturday, come by and say hi. Just throw your Twitter handle out at me so I can put some faces to names. And, uh, yeah, we'll have a good time. All right. Well... So you had said that you're going to the game or a couple games this weekend and whatnot. So let's throw a little feeler out there. You think you're going to be able to see Avi Garcia this weekend? Ah, that's a, that's a good question. He uh, crushed another dinger tonight. I'm pulling it did. up on Twitter right now. He did. He did. did He's he? like absolutely murdering it right now in his reabsence. All right. So Thanks. that's that's going to actually bring up something now, John. That you you said that Avi Garcia is potentially coming back this weekend. Now, Johnny, you and I were we're texting back and forth a little bit last night and we stumbled upon a little segment that we want to open up here on shy Sox weekly and with avi garcia coming back we're gonna have outfield options of avi garcia daniel palka charlie tilson adam engel dare i say his name trace thompson we've got yeah we've got white Sox problems yeah, White Sox, hashtag White Sox problems. Hashtag that's White Sox problems. About, yeah. And that's yeah. what we're going to go with, hashtag White Sox problems. How do we solve this White Sox problem? 
So I reference it on the last time I was on your guys' podcast. I think Avi gets his spot back no matter what. It, even if that means moving Daniel Pulka to the bench, it just needs to happen. Avi needs his reps. He's going to get back in the lineup. He's, you know, better in the field than most of the options that we have now. And he's a more consistent bat. So I think Avi definitely strikes back into the lineup. Trace Thompson gets benched for the majority of that. Um, you'll still see Adam Engel in his center field position. And then, um, I, I, I don't know, you, you'll probably see some spot some spot starts from Charlie Tilson in left field because Lurie Garcia is still rehabbing in uh, Charlotte. I know you guys talk about Avi, but Lurie is still down there too. I was going to bring up I, Lurie's coming back soon. And also yeah, we have so, Nicky Delmonico also waiting in the wind here. Yeah, so I don't know exactly what the time frame on Nikki is, but for the time being, I would say you're looking at a Tilson angle, Avi outfield with Polka either DHing or coming off the bench. Too often with a team that's 20 or so games under 500, close to the All Star break, but what are the odds that you think Trace Thompson just gets outright DFA'd and isn't a member of the White Sox once, obviously, like you said, Avi, Leary, Nicky Delmonico come back? It's going to be pretty crowded with a lot of mediocre talent. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I just think the numbers aren't there for Trace. We appreciate the walk-off, and he gave us the, uh, you know, the Yolmer Sanchez gift that you guys had referenced on your last podcast. Uh, which is great, but, you know, that doesn't play well if you're not, you know, hitting at a decent clip, which he's not. So I think Trace gets DFA'd sooner rather than later, basically as soon as Lurie comes back. I don't know. Okay. I can't I can't, I can't. see a spot for Trace after that. I saw Fair people enough. asking for Melky Cabrera. Yeah, he, he did get cut by the Indians, so you never know. I mean, I... I don't think it'll happen, but shit, you never know in a season like this. I mean, and we're talking about making room for Eloy. These are real <laughs> hashtag White Sox problems. So it's funny that you guys like bring up hashtag White Sox problems. When I think of White Sox problems, I think of like not being able to score runners that are in scoring <laughs> position. Like I think, hey, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, and we'll, no, we'll tap it. into that for sure. Like I, I definitely fuck with the segment. We will definitely build off of that but to start when you guys said white Sox problems i was not thinking of like a crowded out i was thinking of a <laughs> well, whole different well, ball game well a crowded outfield of mediocre to terrible talent with a few yep. decent options is a white Sox problem it, when you word it like that okay fair enough yeah and we're we're talking tony and i when we were texting back and forth we were talking a little bit more down the line like we we're because what I was, what we were both referencing was like the catcher position, and I was like, you know, saying last night on Twitter, like, oh, congrats to Zach Collins on winning the Double A Home Run Derby, and uh, you know, Tony responded like, oh, Zebby Savale wants to have a word with you. And Tony Zebby Savale you know, is biggest fucking fan, and I thought yeah, it was Clinton, and I thought it was Clinton, dude, but it's definitely Tony. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I totally respect that. And it, me and him talked about it a little bit, you know, back and forth in our own, like, chat. But, uh, like, that'll be, like, a different, like, bre- like you know, brand of White Sox problems. Like, a good problem to have. Like, hey, you got these two catchers that can actually hit. 
And, you know, Sebi will probably be a little bit better defensively, but, like, if Zach Collins' bad is better, then obviously you want him in the lineup. So that's that's more of what we were touching on with White Sox problems. Well, it's funny because White Sox problems that we experience today are not the White Sox problems that we expect to have five years from now. And you look at stuff like Nick Madrigal, that's going to be a White Sox problem. And right now, White Sox problems are, you know, stuff like you mentioned, John, not being able to score with runners in in scoring position, you know, Yon Mancata having a bad day, stuff like that. So White Sox problems right now might be doom and gloom. But in the future, like Johnny and I are mentioning, White Sox problems are going to be where do you move Tim Anderson? Uh, how how do you fill out the rotation? Those are White Sox problems that we are going to have to look forward yeah. to. Good, good, good problems to have. Good problems to have. We don't we don't have them right now. Right now we have you know fifteen thousand people show up to the stands. That's a White Sox problem. Yeah. Which brings yeah. it back to John. What are we supposed to do? Get to the ballpark. All right. I'm trying to set you up. No, and you're good. And like I, like you said, I'm slow, and I just don't pick up on it right away every start, time. Start, start. Maybe, maybe, maybe you'll be nice and edit out that like eight second pause where I'm like thinking deeply about like what you're actually talking. I about. like the pause <laughs> because it just lets our listeners know, you know, there's something churning in your brain. Like, Ron on cut. What am I supposed to say right now? Tony set me up. He you know, laid this out on a silver platter for me. What am I supposed to say? I don't exactly know. And then you eventually stumble on the answer. And I love the first responses. Like you, you say it in this questioning tone of. Well, the best one, the best one was last. Interrogative like, tone. If we had a numbers guy on the podcast before, and you were looking for me to say Davey Metrics, and like, I mean, I'm a huge White Sox Dave guy. I didn't know he fucking called himself Davey Metrics until like last week, and like, I was like, all right. For sure. I'm the asshole now. <laughs> oh, John. <sighs> I listen to Redline Radio every week. Don't and how do you not get Davey Metrics out of that? Because maybe I tune that out. You're going to become your own hashtag. Right? Moving on. <laughs> Johnny, you got anything that you want to cover specifically? I don't know. I I don't know if you guys have put out a podcast for Socks on 35th this week. I don't know if you watched that game earlier, but Oregon State with that little comeback. Come on now. Yeah, that was that was awesome. I mean, I love sexy. Nick Madrigal. That guy, that guy's just a gamer. Like so, he, Tony. He Tony. So we were sorry. Sorry to cut you off. That was a dick move. But so Tony had. Uh, I'm like eight beers deep now too. But Tony had. <laughs> we had my Sox summer on earlier, and yeah. like there was a span where Madrigal hit that double in the ninth, and I oh. went absolutely berserk when he hit it. Like asked Tony, I was like, "Fuck yes, let's go!" And uh, I, I thought he was recording, dude, because I wanted that live reaction, dude, because I'm actually super excited about that pick, dude. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, I, I was at the bar for that, and that was awesome. I, I love it. I absolutely love the fire that Nick Madrigal brings to the diamond every single day. Like, he's he is just a gamer. That's the best way that I can put it. The kid loves to play baseball, and he brings his all every single time that he goes out on the diamond, and it's awesome to see. And obviously you saw that in the comeback win against North Carolina tonight. So I I don't know. I, I That just makes me even more sure of our pick, that we picked the right guy 
um, in the draft, and I, I love it. I cannot wait to see him develop through our system and hopefully be here within the next you know two years. It's going to be great to see. I, I really hope we have a White Sox – like I hope we revisit this issue – you know, and like Tony, middle and have field, middle have and field hashtag yeah. White Sox problem. Exactly. Like I really hope we have that with him and Timmy and Mankata because they're all just you know so good, and we don't know exactly what to do with them. So that will be a nice White Sox problem to have. Well, and we also got to think about what free agents are the Sox going to sign. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's, 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 so we had kind of asked Herb the same question, and I kind of want to ask you because it is kind of an intriguing yeah. thought. Um, my buddy had asked me with the free agency coming up this year, you know, the Sox are like, I mean, before this year, we were supposed to be poised to be big spenders this offseason, were we not? Yeah, no, we definitely. Were. I mean, and I mean, we yeah. still might be. You never know. So, what yeah. his question was, was we clearly need bullpen help right now. That's clearly the one part that we're struggling with. Oh, yeah. So he wants to know if the Sox go out and they sign a big-name closer, like a back-of-the-end guy to just kind of lock it down. Ah, man, that's tough for this upcoming offseason, honestly. If I'm going to be completely 100% honest, I don't... So, Herb was a big birdie guy. He's he's big on birdie's progression. By the time that the window opens up, birdie will be ready. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. I'm a, I'm big on Birdie too. I like him a lot. Um, I just don't see us going and like spending on like a big arm this upcoming off season because we're not necessarily ready to to compete in this you know 2019 season. So I I would say hold off another year on that and see what the market looks like. All right, there you have it. That's that's two for two on that, John. Yeah, literally. He now more so it, asked me that question, and I didn't even really know how to answer because I was it's like gonna, it really depends on where they think they're going to be next year, not where we think they're going to be next year. Where they, If they want to go out and they want to spend that money and they want to go get those bullpen guys, go for it. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, you're going to well, have plenty yeah, people available. You're gonna, I mean, you're going to have older guys, more veteran experienced guys. You're going to have Calvin Herrera. I'm pretty sure Wade Davis is available at this year. I'm not saying I want to go get a guy like well, Wade, Davis. Wade Davis is locked up for three with uh, Rockies. With the Rockies, you're right. Okay, Let's, so, I mean, but there's still there's still a couple of names out there. You're not going to go get, like, an Andrew Miller or anything, but, like, you could still go get a guy that's going to be more consistent than Joaquin Soria. He's yeah. going to get traded, but let's play devil's advocate. Like, John, I think you're, you're kind of hitting that. What stops the Sox from locking down a reliever on a three-year deal? Somebody who's going to be here for a while. Even yeah, like who says we're not at the same point the Rockies are right now at this point next year? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like I said, it, it is interesting to just ponder what's going to go on in the minds of the front office people throughout this upcoming offseason. I... I just, my personal feeling, just my gut feeling, I'm not going off of anything analytic-based or anything like that, I just don't think that they're going to go out and spend on a reliever this upcoming offseason. But if they do it, and like you said, I wouldn't, like for like a three-year like deal, you know, they lock someone down and like they're there for our, for 
or like competitive like window, I would not be mad about it at all. But honestly, I couldn't tell you a name that I really think we would go and target. Like I'm not kidding you. The only name that stuck out to me was Kelvin Herrera. That's it. Yeah. I mean, dude, you never know. You you honestly never know. They they could have something up their sleeve where they're like, all right, well, we think that this will be a good fit, and we can sign them to a deal that's both, uh, you know pays him well and then is also friendly to the club and if they can do that and lock him down for a number of years where they think that he'll be effective in a time like i said when we'll be competitive again then i you know what i would be all for something like that but i just personally i just don't think it's going to happen at least this offseason i would say wait until next offseason yeah no and and that's kind of where i was on that too so i mean that was a great answer so we appreciate that uh on that note i'm gonna go ahead and take my first on-air bathroom break i believe this is my third bathroom break of the night but we've kind of been discreet about it we've we've recorded for like two hours we are going deep into the night here (laughs) over at jai sacks weekly because we like i don't know it is like one in the morning right now (laughs) and we're just we're rolling here just ripping everything so i'm gonna go crack another beer this is actually i bought a six pack of modellos and this is gonna be number six and i'm gonna take a little quick week and then we'll we'll close this one out you guys you guys cool with that Absolutely. I'm going to grab a beer myself, and we are just going to keep this going until uh, till we're back and then uh, probably close it out a little bit. Johnny, how are you doing over there? Yeah, Johnny, if you want to sing a little quick song for our listeners, because it doesn't sound like Tony wants to edit out my piss break, you go ahead and do your thing. You got, the floor is yours. My yeah, the floor is Johnny's right now. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm i doing well. I, I got nice and primed up. This evening, I went to the bar. I watched the Oregon State-North Carolina game. Love to see our boy Nick Madrigal doing big things. And I love that uh, Nick Madrigal and Connor Pilkington, our third-round pick, are going to face off in a game in the College World Series. So I just can't wait to see that. It's, it's great to see the next Sox competing against each other. I love it. I love it. Oh, yeah. Nice flush there. I've made it back. John has not. Uh, I think that flush was probably him, and I gave him a warning about it, but uh, he just doesn't know how to mute his microphone. Just disregards it. He disregards it. He's shy socks Janda. I mean, that's... He He wants us to hear it. I think he does. I think at this point he does it's become like a signature move for him. Yeah, definitely. We talked about it earlier a little bit. Uh, they set the line at four for him tonight. He's getting, he's getting <laughs> close. And that's why, that's why I wanted to go three guests tonight. Cause I knew if the line was set that high, <laughs> we might be able to get him there. <laughs> I love it. Boring outside right now. Yeah, it is boring. How's the uh, is the Sebi Zavala train running tonight, John? Dude, so I got a new AC unit and it has been running the whole time, and you haven't said a damn word about it, and it like masks out the train noise. So I can, all I can hear is the AC in the background. I can he- I can hear your AC. I just have not. Just, I've decided that. Is that's it like obnoxious? 
No, it, it actually adds like a little bit of a white noise element to the. To the it's podcast. better. It's better than it's the ambiance. Yeah, it's ambiance. We're recording. Oh yeah. <laughs> well then, you're good. I honestly thought you cut the recording because the way that you guys were talking when I came back to the mic. No, we're we're just waiting on you. <laughs> well, here I am. Got the final beer cracked. Got to be up early as hell tomorrow. I'm ready for it. So, talking about closing notes here for for Shy Sox Weekly episode 12. This has been a big episode. We started out My Sox Summer from the 108, talking about the poll we ran, about who spends more money, the White Sox or the 108 on beer. Then we had Herb <laughs> Lawrence from 670 to the score who just absolutely murdered all of our questions. Excellent talk about White Sox baseball, really in-depth. He was an absolute awesome guest to have on. And finishing it up here with Johnny Nani from Sox on 35th, who you guys all heard last week on the last Shy Sox Weekly. He was here with uh, Joe Binder and uh, Jordan Lazowski. I think he said it was Binder. Uh, binder, Binder. We're going to butcher names here. We're, we're really good at it, just like Luis. Robert, Robert, uh, you know, equal opportunity butcher on names. Uh, <laughs> that's just what we do. Um, but we're going to close this out. John, Johnny, it was a pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. All I got to say is get out at the ballpark. I'll be there on Thursday and Saturday. If you see the... Socks on 35th flag and Loppy, as always, come out. Say your Twitter handle so I can put a face to the name. Get out there, support our White Sox. And, uh, yeah, just uh, go White Sox. That's that's all I have to say, man. Thanks for having me on again. Of course, man. And I tell you what, after every little aspect that went into this podcast tonight i listen to every podcast we produce but i am so excited to hear the final product of this episode because we literally just tied together so much into one little segment and i hope you guys enjoyed it as much as i enjoyed being on it absolutely yeah it was a blast yeah i honestly tony i didn't even know until you messaged me i didn't even know that you guys had two other guests before this so i'm honored (laughs) i'm I'm honored to be the uh um you're the closer so so in terms of promotion we'll probably run it as the herb episode yeah for sure featuring special guests and you guys were the utmost special guests and we would love to have you on as a reoccurring guest whenever you want my guy yeah no, for sure. You guys just let me know whenever, and uh, I'll get back on the Skype, the old Skype machine, and we'll uh, get together again. Sure thing. All right. All right. Well, on that note, thank you guys for listening so much. This was a lot of fun to record, and we hope to bring you just as much fun next week. Thank you again, and go White Sox. Go White Sox. Sox.